God is good and all the time. If you are new here, my name is John and I'm blessed to serve as a pastor here and we most always start out the preaching time with those words and uh, it's a great way to acknowledge that not only is God good, but God is in control, isn't he? And, and so we're thankful that because he's in control that he is also, in fact, good. How many of you have all of your Christmas shopping done? All right, we're going to say boo to you, all right? I don't like your type of people. How many of you will be, after the Christmas Eve service, you will go finish your Christmas shopping? All right, we'll say yay to you, all right? That may be me sometimes. I do want to encourage you to uh, begin inviting someone for the Christmas Eve service. I think that that um, outside of Easter, uh, Christmas Eve is probably the, the best opportunity you're going to have to invite someone to church because uh, everyone's looking for somewhere to go Christmas Eve. And I think they should come here. Do you agree with that? Because they're going to hear the gospel. I know that. Okay, and they'll probably hear the gospel at a lot of other churches, but I'm confident they're going to hear the gospel here. So begin inviting someone. I know that you have already have an opportunity to do that through Facebook. And, and uh, next week we'll have invite cards everywhere for you to uh, take and to, to invite someone. And uh, today we are going to start our series on Advent. And uh, so as we think about this, how many of you um, grew up kind of with the idea of Advent and the candles? Okay, not very many, which is what I was figuring. How many of you did not grow up with that, all right? So I, I didn't really grow up with that understanding. It just wasn't a part of our a Christmas tradition. And just a few years ago, kind of started looking into that a little more and thinking about it. And so really, these four candles represent what we're going to talk about the next four weeks. That's hope, peace, joy, and love. And of course, the center candle, the, the white candle, represents what? Or who? Jesus, right? Because you can't have hope, love, joy, or peace without who? Jesus. Right, I'm going to do that again. So there's four candles, and these four candles represent hope, peace, joy, and love. And the center candle represents who? Jesus. Wow. And we can't have hope, joy, love, and peace without you guys are so good. Give yourself a hand, all right? And I'm going to invite uh, George to the stage. And as he comes up, i got to grab the mic. I completely forgot to get it. George, how you doing, buddy? I think you look the best you've ever looked right now. Look at this. Give George a hand. He looks so good, doesn't he, right? So I, I asked George if he would read for us. And uh, I, as usual, failed to grab the mic. And now I'm failing to get it on. But uh, I was encouraged that George dressed like me today. You pound it. One of the reasons I was encouraged is because also my dad is wearing almost the exact same thing. And I thought, I look like an old person. Sorry, Dad. But when, when George showed up, I feel like I'm good. So thank you. You make me feel much better today, all right? So George is going to read the first candle. And then this first candle represents the prophet's candle. It's one of the purple ones, all right? And it represents, have we already figured out what it represents today? 
hope. All right, very good. That's what we've been singing about, right? You ready, George? All right, you can hold the paper, I'll hold the mic. Does that work for you? All right, very good. The things we get for Christmas will not last as long as the things we get from Christmas. We will finish our Christmas treats, get bored with our Christmas toys, and grow out of our Christmas clothes. But the things we get from, get from Christ this Christmas and always are hope, peace, joy, and love, and, and go with us all our life. The first Advent candle is the candle of the prophets. It stands for Jesus is our hope. He died on the cross to save us and gives us everlasting life. In Romans 15, 12 through 13, it says, and again, Isaiah says, there shall be a root of Jesse, and he who shall rise to reign over the Gentiles, in him the Gentiles shall hope. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. A candle is burning, a flame warm and bright, a candle of hope in the darkest of night. Through, though troubled and worried, yet we will not fear. Our hearts are now hopeful, for Jesus is near. Awesome. Good job, my man. You can go back. Thank you. Didn't he do great? Awesome. I could have read it, and you guys would not have listened as good to me. I know that. So thank you, George. I appreciate you reading. Hope. Hope is powerful, isn't it? Hopelessness is powerful also, isn't it? I, I listened to a guy who was talking about hope. And Kevin Queen said this, that they had done a study of 120 men after they had had their first heart attack. And they were studying based on their optimism or lack of optimism, their pessimism. So hope or hopelessness. And out of these 120 men, what he stated was that out of the 25 most pessimistic men, most hopeless, 21 of them died within eight years. Out of the 24 most, or 25 most optimistic men, only six of them had died. In other words, their findings said that losing hope increased, this study increased their odds of dying by more than 300%. And again, I would say hope or hopelessness is, is powerful, isn't it? I got good news out of this study. This is my interpretation of it. It's healthier to eat cheeseburgers and fries with hope, Amen. right, than granola and yogurt in despair. Can I get amen to that? See, I knew I'd get you guys. I'm not sure if that was the purpose of the study, but it sounded good to me. But as I said, it's the prophet's candle. It represents hope. And, and the reason it's called the prophet's candle is because as we think about the prophets, conservatively, scholars would say that there are over 300 prophecies that Jesus fulfilled. And they were anticipating. So when we think about Advent, Advent just means arrival or it means coming. So Advent is we're, the prophets were looking for the first Advent of Christ. We look back on the first advent, don't we? And we are 
living between two advents. The first advent and what we're looking forward to is the second advent. The second coming of Christ. Are you hopeful for that? Okay, and so this is why it's called the prophet's candle. On the screen, it's just going to show you. It's going to list them. And I'm going I'm to bullet point really quick through them. So you might, you're not going to catch it unless you get your phone and you want to take a picture. All right. These are just a few of them. In Isaiah, he, he said he would be born of a virgin. He would be born in Bethlehem, Micah 5. He would spend time in Egypt, Hosea. He would come from the line of David. Uh, in Ezekiel, he would start his ministry in Galilee, Isaiah also. Daniel said he would be re referred to as the son of man. The psalmist said he would teach hidden things from old, Isaiah 9.6. He would be called counselor, or wonderful counselor, mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace, Samuel. God would call him my son, Isaiah 11. He would gather Israelites back together. So what I want to do is look a little more into the Isaiah passage. So if you have your Bible, turn with me in Isaiah chapter 9. Or if you're in the YouVersion Bible app, you can find it there as well. Isaiah 9. And when we think about the prophet's candle, as we think about hopelessness or hopefulness, we think about light. Okay? Because hopelessness... Being without hope oftentimes is represented by darkness. Okay, so as the prophets were prophesying the first advent, they were doing so in hope. Now, we, when we think of hope, what I, what I, the definition, actually we gave this definition, kind of a working definition we used several years ago when we talked about hope. It, it is this. It's simple to remember. All right, so the H stands for healthy. The O stands for optimism. The P for promised and the E for eternity. Healthy optimism from a promised eternity. Now, I know that's not on the screen, so I see you trying to write it down. That's okay. I'll, go, I'll slow down. I'll give it to you again. H, healthy. O, optimism. P, promised. E, eternity. Healthy optimism from a promised eternity. And what we have to think about and hope is this. Your hope is a little bit contingent and dependent on what your hope is placed in. Do you understand that? Like, I hope the Dallas Cowboys will win the Super Bowl. Been hopeless for 26 years. Right? I am hopeful that my retirement account will increase. I've lost a lot of hope this year. <laughs> right? So as we think about what or who our hope is in, that's pretty important. Because hope is powerful, isn't it? In Isaiah 9, verse number 2, as we think about the contrast here. Hopelessness, darkness. Hopefulness, light. The prophet said in verse number two of Isaiah 9, the people who walked in darkness have seen, what is it? A great light. Darkness, hopelessness, light, hopefulness. 
those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them, what has shined? A light has shined. Verse number six, now we find out who the light is. If you haven't already connected the dots, right? Verse 6, chapter 9. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government will be upon his shoulder. His name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no what? End. Eternity. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order and establish it with judgment and justice from the time forward even, how long? Forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. And some 700 to 750 years before Jesus would be born, Isaiah said the people walked in darkness without hope, but they would see the light and hope would come. The first advent, Jesus would show up. Turn with me to John chapter 1. Let's, let's dig into this a little deeper in John chapter 1 in case we don't quite understand the, the contrast between dark and light and darkness meaning hopelessness and light meaning hopefulness. John chapter 1. Some of you already know exactly what we're going to read, right? John chapter 1, verse number 1. In the beginning was the what? Word. word. Is that just a spoken word or is that something, does it mean something deeper than that? Is it, is it referencing a person? Who's it representing? You guys are so smart. I'll let you come up here and preach, but I don't trust you. All right. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. Wait, we just said... The word is who? Okay, just clarification. And the, the word, Jesus was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things that were made were through him. Without him, nothing was made that was made. In him was what? And the life was the what? Light of men. And the light shines in the what? The darkness did not comprehend it. That's why they killed him. They didn't grasp that he was the light of the world. This is the one they've been looking for. This is the one they've been waiting for. This is the one that Isaiah was talking about. The darkness didn't grasp the light. Well, at least not all of them did. Some of them did. Okay. Now, George read for us Romans chapter 15. I want to read it for us again this morning. Romans 15, verse 12 and 13. Again, Isaiah says, there shall be a root of Jesse. Again, this is speaking of Jesus. This is what Isaiah said. He... And he who shall rise to reign over the Gentiles, in him the Gentiles shall what? What's the word? Hope. In him, in Christ, the Gentiles shall hope. And then Paul says, now may the God of hope fill you with joy and peace in believing. In other words, I hate to break it to you. You're not going to find much hope in the Cowboys. You're not going to find much hope in your retirement account. Outside of the person of Jesus Christ, you will not find hope. 
Let me say it again. Outside of the person of Jesus Christ, you will not find hope. Right? So, so the light has come. And aren't you thankful for that? And, and as we think about the prophets, we're looking for the light to come. For us, he has already come. But there's a second advent coming. I guess the question I'd have for you is, are you anticipating the second advent? Are you expecting the second advent? Are you hopeful for the second advent? I hope so. And if you're not, I hope by the time we dismiss today, you will be ready for the second advent. So our hope needs to be dependent on someone that is secure, right? The author of Hebrews says this, this hope, and he's speaking of Jesus, this hope we have, Hebrews 6.19, as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters into the presence behind the veil. I'm, I'm not sure how many times I can say this, but Jesus is your only hope. If you put your hope in anything else, it's going to let you down. Jesus is your only hope. All right, turn with me to Romans chapter 5, and we're going to spend most of the time of the rest of the morning in Romans chapter 5. Because hope is available for everyone. Let's, make, let's not leave this morning without everyone in the room, everyone watching online, understanding how they can receive the hope of Jesus, how they can have hope in a hopeless world. Because we looked at last week, right? Psalm 42. Sometimes life just stinks. I'll say it that way. Will you agree with that? Life stinks sometimes. And the truth is, life doesn't always go like I want it to go. If it, it, it you know, if the world just was on my time, it'd probably be a lot better, right? If everything happened like I want it to happen. So how can we have hope? As Nathan already alluded to, this, this should be the, the happiest season of all. I think there's a song about that, right? But it seems like it's the busiest season of all. It's the craziest season of all. Statistics, statistics would say it's the most hopeless season of all. And why is that? How can we have hope? I mean... I think we've established Jesus is our hope. So how can, how can I experience that hope? Paul talked about it in Romans 5. Let's read the first 11 verses, and then we'll just kind of give you three points of application. Romans 5, verse 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith. We could just stop there. That's awesome. He's writing to followers of Jesus. You know, we say often at Hallmark, we're here to lead people to find and follow Jesus. That's who, it's, that's who he's referencing. Those who have found Jesus, those who've placed their faith, you have been justified by faith. And he says, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by Father into this grace in which we stand. We rejoice in the hope of the glory. Not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. I kind of wanted to skip that verse. That one's tough, isn't it? Not only that, we also glory tribulations. Why? Knowing tribulation produces perseverance. 
Perseverance, character. And character what? Hope. You see, the more I understand God is available when I need him during the difficulty, you know, a byproduct of that is more hope. We realize that his grace is sufficient. I mean, he said it would be. But we really don't understand the sufficiency of God's grace until we need God's grace, do we? So a byproduct of troubles is I understand, wow, God is worthy of my faith and my trust and my hope. And I have more hope when I've experienced that. Verse number four or five. I love this statement. We'll get back to it. But now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who is given to us. Verse six, for when we're still yet, we're still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God. It's a lot of theology right there. But God. He demonstrated his own love toward us, toward you, towards mankind, toward the world, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for you. Much more than having been now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now, or we have now received reconciliation. What a great passage of scripture. First thing I want you to think about as we look at this this morning is, I have hope. Because my past is forgiven. Thank God. I've made a lot of mistakes. Now now the truth, what we see in scripture is, not only is my past forgiven, my, my present is forgiven, and my future is forgiven. Because I'm not done messing up. And I've known some of you a long time and you ain't done messing up either. And I'm glad not all of you, not all of you know my past. Because you may not forgive me. But God, he did. We have a, a missionary friend, John, here on the, on the front row. And he, him and his wife are, and family are in Rome. And every time I think of John, I have this flashback to like seventh grade. Whew, we were different in seventh grade. Do you know that this missionary here, yeah, him, he got in a fight with one of my best friends at camp at seventh grade. <laughs> yeah, so your son's finding out for the first time, right? I, I remember it. The other guy's name was Wade. Wade and John going at it on the basketball court. I, this was before Terrell Owens. I got popcorn and just watched, you know, like this is fun. This is some good stuff. And I, rem, I remember his mother, John's mother, looking out the window through the cafeteria and she was fast. She came and she, someone asked me, I told someone earlier this morning this story and they said, who won the fight? And I said, his mom. <laughs> mom one. Like, we all have a past, don't we? 
I'm sure you won, John. I have complete confidence that you were winning. That's why your mom came to your rescue. <laughs> Just the, ver the very first word, what does it say? Therefore, having been, what's the word? Justified by faith. What is justified? It means that it's, it's a, a legal term that God declares you and me righteous. Not because of what we've done, not because I am righteous. I'm glad this morning that I can tell someone else's story, not my own story about messing up as a seventh grade kid. I got, I got tons of them. But when I came to God through Jesus, is what it says, in faith, God says justified, forgiven, reconciled. Wow, that's awesome, isn't it? That's why the prophets were waiting, anticipating, oh, when Jesus shows up. That's why we look back at Christmas and we celebrate, oh, thank God, Jesus showed up. Light came and dispelled the darkness. And because of his death, his burial, and his resurrection, if I place my faith in Jesus, my past, my present, and my future, Jesus says, John Haley, justified. He's not a very good guy. But because he placed his faith in Jesus, justified. The old word people used to say was just to remember. What, what does justify mean? Just as if I never sinned. That's awesome. That was worth coming this morning just for you to know that. If you've never been justified, today could be your day. It could be the greatest day of your life that you place your faith in Jesus and now he declares you not guilty. Amen. Praise Jesus, right? Yeah. It's a big deal. I have hope because my past is forgiven. Number two, I have, I have hope because my future is secure. Like this isn't a one-time thing. This is forever. Yeah. It says in verse number two, rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. The truth is one day, either when the second advent happens, when Jesus comes back, if I'm still living and Jesus comes back, I'm going to be in the presence, in the glory of God forever and ever. If I die before the second advent, guess where I'm going to be? In the presence of God, in his glory forever and ever. My hope is secure. What did Jesus say in John chapter 3, verse 16? For God so loved who? The world that he gave his only son that whoever, what's the word? Believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. As the famous theologian from the Sandlot said, forever. All the old people get it. John 14, Jesus said, we don't have time to read the whole passage. You can look it up. John 14 Verses uh, one through six. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in me, you believe also in God. And then he says, in my house, in my father's house are many mansions. And if, if we're not so, I would not have told you. And I'm gonna go and I'm gonna prepare a place for you that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way. 
And in verse 5, Thomas said to Jesus, whoa, 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 hold on. We don't know the way. We don't know where you're going. And I'm glad he said that. It, it, it comes across as a statement, but it's ends with a question mark. Like, hold on, we don't know. We, where, where are you going? And what did Jesus say in John 14, verse 6? I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one gets to God except through Jesus, through me. I'm glad Thomas asked the question. I do want to point out Ephesians chapter 1. It'll be on the screen for us. Ephesians 1. It says here, in whom you also trusted after you heard the word of truth. All right, so there's a statement here, right? You've placed your faith in Jesus after you heard the word of truth. What is the truth? That Jesus is the only way, that he is the truth, he is the life, all right? So what Paul is saying is here, you trusted in the gospel and then you were saved. And then it goes on, in whom also having believed, this is a good part, the gooder part, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. At the moment when I was 17 years old and I knelt down at the old metal bunk bed at 3 o'clock in the morning or whatever it was, and I placed my faith for eternity in the work of Jesus Christ, at that moment, I got my first tattoo as a matter of speaking. He sealed me. He sealed me. Look at verse 14. Who is the guarantee? This is great, awesome news. I'm not the guarantee of my salvation. I didn't, I didn't get grace and salvation because I was good. And I can't guarantee my salvation because I'm still not good. I was given the gift of the Holy Spirit, sealed. He's the guarantee of our inheritance eternal life until the redemption of the purchased. What's the purchased possession? I am. I was bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. If you're a follower of Jesus, you were bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. And who gets the glory for it? God. I hope because my past is forgiven. I hope because my future is secure. And the last one, I hope because my present is at peace. What does he say? Having been justified by faith, verse number one, we have, what does it say? Peace with God through Jesus. We see in scripture that the peace of God passes all understanding. But, but the reality is, as a follower of Jesus or just as an individual, I can't have the peace of God until I'm at peace with God. And if I'm at peace with God, then he can give me the peace of God. Do you see the difference? And when I'm at peace with God, no matter what my life goes through, look, look, that's what we read in verse 3 and 4. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. In other words, that if I'm at peace with God, then I can have the peace 
of God when life stinks. I love verse 5. Now hope does not what? It doesn't disappoint. Who's the hope of the world? Put his name there. What does it say then? Hmm. That's powerful, isn't it? Stock market, it'll disappoint. Cowboys will disappoint. Jesus will not disappoint. So who's your hope in? You see, if you are a follower of Jesus today, if you've placed your faith in Jesus for salvation, you can have hope because your past is forgiven, your future is secure, and your present is at peace. It's a peace that passes all understanding. That even in the chaos, Psalm 42 last week, what did he say? My hope is in God, and I shall yet praise him. If you are not a follower of Jesus, here's the great news today. If you place your faith in Jesus, your your forgiveness is available, your future is secure, and in, in the trials and the problems, you can not only have the peace with God, but you can have the peace of God. Aren't you thankful that he didn't just save us and leave us? That he gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit. Look at the verse 5 and we'll finish. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. The peace, the hope, the love, the joy, if you're a follower of Jesus, it's in you. The Holy Spirit is in you. I'm gonna ask you just to close your eyes for a moment this morning. If you are a follower of Jesus, and you are not experiencing the hope of God in your life. I just want to remind you, it's available. It's available because you have a restored relation. You are at peace with God if you're a follower of Jesus. And you just need to seek him. You just need to trust him. You need to stop putting your hope in circumstances and situations and people and things and put your hope in Jesus. Jesus.